excellent 80s movies podcast on the most excellent podcast network it's the podcast where a filmmaker a comedian and an author have all been struck by lightning and now all of a sudden we have zany personalities which we are going to use to take another look at the 80s movies we loved hated hated to love and loved to hate with a haze of nostalgia but also with 2018 eyes this is episode 23 short circuit a movie selection from 1986 So if you were hoping that E.T. had a bazooka, this is the movie for you. I was hoping that. Very a sincerely. Laser bazooka. <laughs> Finally. Finally, we all get everything that we want. Uh, no Fisher Stevens in the trailer. Interesting. All right, let's get into it. <laughs> a curious absence. Uh-huh. Uh, okay, so um, uh, I am Nathan Blackwell, filmmaker from Squishy Studios. With me, as always, is... Chrissy Lenz, director of National Comedy Theater, improviser, and comedian. And with us, as always. No. As many. <laughs> as no. sometimes. As often as possible. Is this your fourth episode? Yes, it is. Okay. Number four. Friend of the podcast, author, Craig Michael Curtis. Hello, I'm Craig Michael Curtis, author, friend of the podcast. And I am alive. Yay, <laughs> no disassemble. So this was um, this movie was uh, your request. It's yes. your fault <laughs> that we're <It's>... here. <laughs> yeah. It, it is, it is uh, definitely a movie when... Way back when you began the uh, the movies podcast for the eighties, uh, I liked the 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 initial list that I saw. But I also felt very disappointed that two movies were not on that first run of lists. The first ten, I think it was, and the two movies that I demanded be added to the list at some point. <laughs> well, I think our friendship is built out of disappointment and oh, demand. Yeah. Disappointment, <laughs> yes, yes. Anger and spite are the foundations of a good friendship. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. Th- this is definitely so. Yeah, so you had Rocky Four and Short Circuit, which um, are very '80s movies. Yes, and it's not uh, just yeah. that there are movies that were made in the '80s, but they were movies that that their shelf life is <laughs> 1980 to 1989. <laughs> yeah. Right. 
And so that's what I, the, they were the first two movies I thought of when I thought of 80s movies, just because, not necessarily because they define the 80s, but they felt so much just in that bubble of the decade, where mm-hmm. as soon as 1990 came around, the expiration for Short Circuit kind of comes, <laughs> I think they did Short Circuit then in 86, and I think 89 Short Circuit 2, and they were talking about doing another one, but then 1990 hit, and it was like, you know what? It's time for Not Wesley Snipe movies now. Exactly. And Polly Shore. It's time to move on. And it's, yeah, th- this I think is one of the quintessential movies that was made for the 80s. Yeah. Yeah, we were talking about, so we watched this um, movie together because you can't rent it right now. You can nope. only buy it. And mm-hmm. we're too cheap to each buy a copy. So we but watched it. like f- Young Guns, it will become streaming free as soon yeah. as the podcast yeah, drops. It, it's yes. pop- yeah, it's in the vault right now. <laughs> that was um, awesome. I was so excited when Young Guns came out on Netflix. But, but oh, no. we, this was a movie that both of us saw probably a, a half dozen times mm-hmm. when we were kids. Um, and then almost like a science experiment, we like vowed never to, we just never saw it again. <laughs> there was an unspoken agreement to So everything stop seemed, fa- everything seemed familiar, but even though I didn't remember most of it, mm-hmm. I knew I had seen it so many times. It was just one of those things like, cause I, I don't remember it being like on TV. Like maybe it was probably rentals. It had to be yeah, rentals. I, I have no idea how I must have seen it dozens of times when I was a kid. And again, not for 30 years until earlier today but um (laughs) i can't even figure out how i saw it so many times because i my family didn't own a vhs copy of it and i don't think nathan's yeah so it must have been like when you were when you were a little kid Mm -hmm. and you rented a movie you saw it like a couple of times like it was that your that was your window it's like oh my god it's due back in a couple it's due back on wednesday we've got to keep watching it like you know you can probably chime in with like how kids We'll just rewatch movies. Oh, absolutely! The, 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 with the VHS, it's just the time it takes to rewind back to the beginning. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, it, it's, like, it's like it's like when, when we're kids, we're like programming our brain mm-hmm. with the things we like. Yep, that's exactly right. Yeah, and it, you have to watch something it, until you've right. memorized it. Okay. Yes, and some some movies stay with you forever, like yes. Three Amigos or absolutely. Big Trouble in Little China or mm-hmm. Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Not so much Short Circuit. <laughs> No, but but it it's, is like you said. It's been sitting there in the back of your head. There's moments that that you can never forget, right? Like uh, no, there's just moments assemble. that you can never forget. Johnny Five, or no? I guess he's Johnny, I guess he's just yeah, number he's, five. He's only Johnny Five at the very very, very end, end of the movie, like the very last line of the movie. Yeah. Yes. But you know, I shall be five. hence known as Johnny <laughs> Five. <laughs> Um, yeah, I guess that is from the second one, mostly that he's Johnny Five. Yeah, he's Johnny Five in the second one. Yeah, yeah Nathan Ray at the no very, very of the end one. of the second one. Well, I, I have two When memories. he's picking out names. Also, like, the first name he suggests for himself is Kevin, and I'm really upset that he didn't just go with Kevin. I'm Kevin, guys. No, no, no. Kevin. I'm Kevin. What a horrible name, Kevin. I'm not going with Kevin. Johnny Five, yeah. Yeah, that sounds friendly. I think he realized that, oh, we had that uh, song that was specifically made for this movie halfway through. Here's Johnny, he said. So... He probably decided, you know, I better be Johnny because they paid for that song. Yeah. Right. And they were probably thinking that was going to get an Academy Award for that song, too. Because that was such a... What? It's Doctor Who! Velociraptors! What are you, what are you here? To, you're here to tell us something. What? Are we missing? I that, turned that was, the volume that, on so that we could play the trailer. That was Chrissy's phone. Um, so, uh, yeah, this is a great... Um, uh, we've seen several uh, of our actors from the 80s, many of which we've just recently seen. Yep. We've got Steve Gutenberg, who we just saw in Three Men and a Baby. At long last, more Gutenberg. 
Bring Guys, in. buckle in. The yeah. goot is here. And he's not more likable in this story. I would say he's more likable. Would you? I, well, he, I, he was less likable in the other movie. It's all a matter of phrasing. <laughs> <laughs> and then Ali Sheedy, I thought, did a great job, even though mm-hmm. you were just saying that her character is nonsensical. Yeah, I, what is she even doing here? Like, besides those few moments that are memorable, the rest of this I completely deleted from my brain for forever. Like, her whole <laughs> character is that she's a flippity gibbet who loves every animal and is like in a string of abusive relationships. She compulsively <laughs> takes in animals and she is and in an on again, off again relationship right. with. She's slow like, to trust, but easy to forgive. <laughs> yes. The guy is, is like, you know, first time we see him, he is trying to steal her dog so that he can sell it for medical science. But I, you get the sense that she's still holding the door open. Maybe I can make this relationship <laughs> yeah. work. She does have a nice it. card that I apparently paid for. So yeah. maybe we'll give it one more try after he stops trying to steal my dog. But she does do like a great job of selling the relationship in the scenes with number five. Mm-hmm. Like she's there. It's kind of like... How like Mark Hamill just is so there with Yoda, like yeah. you immediately yeah. buy. You in, he he invested in and said this is not going to look stupid. I'm not going yeah. to kind of give an eye to the eye and say, yeah, I know, I'm talking to a puppet. He's he's yeah, completely invested in the this looking like you are interacting with a, another character. Mm-hmm. And then we've got G. W. Bailey. Okay, wait. Can we just circle back real quick to Alishidi? Sure. <laughs> so the fir- when she first meets Johnny Five. She thinks that he is an alien, and so for like the, five, I yeah. mean, for the course of an entire night, she assumes he's an alien. Yeah. yeah, and so yeah. it's almost there. Like this movie, straight up, is the movie responsible for this movie is ET. Yes, it even looks Johnny Five looks like ET ish. Yeah. yeah, like with the, his head shape and his disgusting bottom body and everything that's hideous <laughs> and unlovable about him is all straight up ET. Um, but then when she so do you like metal ET more than fleshy Robo ET Mecha ET? I do, <laughs> I do, but I hate them both. As we've um, discussed, you yeah. can listen to our ET episode. Please, Chrissy do. has a complicated relationship with ET. Not that complicated. I'm not into it. Um, uh, yeah, um, but like when she finds out he's a robot, she's disappointed. What? You're yeah. a robot? Yeah. It's a fucking robot. Look at it. You've been having full-on human emotional conversations with a robot. That's still impressive. Yeah. I mean, who cares? Like, Yeah, and she's like really disappointed that, oh, a sentient robot? I thought I was talking to a metallic alien. Oh, yeah, and you get man. tons of these like full-on like close encounter slash like back to the future scenes where you have like this orange light behind them and yeah. like this mystic thing. It's like, oh, who? it's like it, it like the music totally feels like back to the future, like Zeme- and a Zemeckisy kind of scene. Like mm-hmm. it's full on going there. Yep. And then she's like, oh, shucks. Why does nothing good ever happen to me? I'm calling the cops and getting a reward. Yep. And then there was like one point where she's talking to him, kind of angling for a, a, a is there a reward for this? Well, no, it was like a hundred bucks or something. The guy's you know, BS and her. Yeah, and she, like, you know, Johnny Five's in the background, like, chasing animals and stuff. And then she goes, once she realizes she's not getting a reward out of this, she says, what? wait, where'd he go? And then says, what? Is he gone? Then she immediately says, no, 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 I found him. Uh, goodbye. 
I don't know what the, was it like. She was planning on stealing away with the robot at this point. I don't think she was, but it was like, where did that come from? What was the point? Of she, it was just like he dropped out of the, the robot dropped out of her eyesight for a split second. She said, "Where'd he go? Oh, I see him now. Okay, goodbye. Okay, bye." And that was I thought a plot point that was going to go somewhere, but it actually just ended right there. Uh, like so many, yeah. But yes, I, I derailed us from moving on to another very important person in the movie. Uh, oh, G.W. Bailey. Yes, who is our very best friend, who was just in Runaway. Who, we've seen, who, this is our third movie with him now. Yes. As the um, the uh, emotionally overreactive whatever he plays. Yeah, the very know. angry, very militant, blow it up first, ask questions later, dog yeah. named Rambo but, and Mannequin. But almost, yeah, yeah. In Runaway, he was... Trying to, yeah, trying to be serious, but still kind of comedy. Mm-hmm. But he's pretty much the comedy villain in anything he plays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, he's the screaming hothead villain who is, you know, he is threatening without being threatening. He is yeah. he is an antagonist who just looks like he is the angry, the, the angry guy, the blowhard, uh, who is yeah, the guy who you know is going to get thwarted Classic at the end, 80s. and you can yeah. love to root against. And you can just be like, Dad, you're embarrassing me. <laughs> yeah, he's he's great. And he, he never lets you down. He is always 100% uh, giving you so much acting and just serving up so much <laughs> villain. Like he's And the award for most acting goes to. <laughs> <laughs> well, in this movie, I'd say there's at least one other contender for most acting. Uh, okay, so the elephant in the room is uh, Fisher Stevens, as uh, who's... Full on in brown face. Uh-huh. Uh huh. A Caucasian actor playing an Indian character. Yep. Complete with every possible stereotype that you could even like think to throw at this movie. Yeah. So this is this is definitely the other than just the eightyisms. This is the part that doesn't hold up. Uh, obviously, I, I will say one thing in the actor's defense, Fisher Stevens' right. defense. And, and this is yeah, is, and, and so as you bring this up, I oh, I, yeah. I did want to touch that this is my deep cut and, and wanted to go into this a bit deeper. But, okay, yeah. okay. Um, he was originally cast for the same role, except it was more of just a conventional nerdy sidekick role, which is what he is. Then he got fired from that role uh, because they got. Uh, Bronson Pinchot. Uh, Balky Bartakamus. Yes. Uh-huh. And they picked him up and they started the film with him. And then it turns out he got signed for Perfect Perfect Strangers and had to duck out of the thing. So, so they what? hired Fisher Stevens back and they said, you know what? We liked what he was doing. Why don't you do that? Why don't you be an ethnic uh, nerd? So they, yeah, so he had, he'd been cast as a white character because the character is named Ben. Mm-hmm. And then they did, the production decided to change him to Indian. Um, and when they brought him back on board, and he said, Fisher well, Steven, who was I like twenty one, I've already been fired from this role once, so I better just do what they tell me to do. Is, is so, yeah. uh, and the rest uh, is, is history. history. <laughs> but he didn't make the trailer. He did not. He did not. Or maybe someone recut it, and they were just like, "Oh, you know what? What's, what's... I, you might have seen his face once, like in a brief flash in the trailer, mm-hmm. but you don't hear him, and there's a reason." Yeah. It's complicated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Um, okay, so do you think Johnny Five would be offensive to Number robots? Number Five. 
Johnny, <laughs> number five in the future, robots watching this too. Yeah, oh yeah, it would be like, oh my god, why does he have to be every robot stereotype? Oh, a butterfly, I crushed it. Oh, disassemble. Yeah, I think they're gonna be like, we were never like that. All we wanted to do was blow things up and make cocktails. <laughs> <laughs> the other, uh, the other numbers one through four were very jealous of his screen time. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, well, three of them got a little more screen time, so there was one that totally got boned, but he was I tough w- to work with. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, he did... wanted to know why he couldn't also do an accent, because yeah. like Johnny Five gets to, once he has a personality, once he gets struck by lightning, which is like the impetus for this whole thing, is that they're mm-hmm. doing a display. Um, Life-giving lightning. Uh, like, yeah, a show. Like a, a, like a trade yeah. show. A sales pitch. A yeah. sales pitch. It's a sales pitch. For these deadly... Uh, assassin robots Kill and bots. then they're with, like with laser bazookas that blow things up i wondered why the real is like burying the lead you have a laser bazooka mm-hmm. <laughs> yes 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 but wait we put it on a robot <laughs> yeah couldn't a human like the do the exact bazookas, same thing it, it's kind of like um spider-man 2 it's like yes i've found the solution to all of our energy problems here let me just put on these uh, giant, giant robot, robot arms, arms. <laughs> was, uh, uh, every, oh. everyone's like oh what's wrong it's like no i'm i'm not done can we have yeah. questions after the demonstration um no. okay okay everyone walk it back walk it back <laughs> right Wait. right does anyone have a question about the energy thing no one no. do you have a question about the arms all the no hands come up i want to know about the robots can they mix a drink yes yeah. that's why you have robots because no soldier could ever make a gin and tonic so yeah this this movie so he uh johnny five or five, number five number he, five he uh is kind of awakening as a consciousness. I felt like it was just way too quick, though, that he just kind of went from, you know, aware of everything. It was, to me, and maybe this is the portion that I was on my phone, but (laughs) it just seemed like as soon as he got consciousness, he was like a a child, and there wasn't any kind of, like, development or, like, baby steps of learning about things. He was just immediately interested in everything. Like, it, it had switched, and then he was like a child. But his voice and his entire personality changed... Just like in Flight of the Navigator, right? So he got he got struck by... <laughs> Which was done by the same voice actor. Was it? Yeah. I thought Flight of the Navigator was Paul Rubens. Um, not, no. Am I straight up wrong about that? My whole Possibly. life has been a lie. I don't know, probably. Oh. It's not the first time. <laughs> you heard true. it here first. Christine's um, life is a lie. Lies. Um, but yeah, he immediately has this like cartoonish, childlike mm-hmm. voice. Um, but he, yeah, he never goes through like the other robots that are all like speaking spells. They're like, "Your gin and tonic, shaken, not stirred." Intruder targeted. To the left. Fifteen degrees. Fire. Yeah, they're, they're all like that. Yeah, they're they're like Cylons. They sound like yeah. Teddy Ruxpin. From the director of War Games, do you think he just couldn't get this out of his system? Mm-hmm. Or do you, or do you think it was more kind of like, well, he directed War Games. Let's give him this script. Let's <laughs> give him this. He knows how to do this sort of thing. It's kind of the the cute flipped version of ET War meets Games. War Games. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. That's probably how exactly how it was pitched. Look, we got ET, we got War Games, 
we'll make E.T. a robot, and then you know he'll he'll come alive and he'll have this laser cannon. He'll be able to shoot army guys. Mm-hmm. That that big sequence where he's he's uh, learning to dance with Ali Sheedy and watching mm-hmm. Saturday Night Fever. Yeah, the director directed that too. Saturday Night oh. Fever. So it's Saturday Night Fever meets E.T. and War Games. Okay, but like, it, it, did I just completely miss it? But like, he doesn't ever seem to have that moment um, that you expect to see in these kinds of movies where he sees something like. Doesn't have a moment of consciousness where he's just like, oh, he goes from being a a robot looking for input Mm -hmm. to, oh my god, I'm self aware. Yeah, yeah, they could have cut out. He squishes a grasshopper. Yeah, so when he realizes, yeah, his big realization is realizing things die. Yes, the the young woman who teaches him about death is his uh, (laughs) is his savior. So it's it's a little weird. But uh, <laughs> it's a lot weird. Everything about it is weird. Well, yeah. But also, I think it takes place over about fifteen minutes. That's what I. We were talking about the span of time that this was taking place, and okay, there he uh, shows up in her van the first night, mm-hmm. and then the first night is all input, input. Let's read every book in the house, and mm-hmm. then try to make spaghetti and just annoy the hell out. And of And then her. it just Johnny Five then, wants to have an eat, pray, love moment. He just wants to. Like... <laughs> Then yeah, and then that the following day, he gets uh, shot at, and they meet. You know, Ali Sheedy meets Steve Gutenberg. He shots at. He gets de- turned off. They get shove him in the van. Somehow he turns himself back on, um, and then hijacks the van, and then immediately goes back to her house. Yeah. Second night in the tub, um, and now he's got like a robo boner. Uh, which I roll, I roll, <laughs> but it's no longer friend of the podcast. <laughs> Craig, Craig well, uh, the the second night is very. There's some tension between them. There's oh. a romantic tension between because that's where they have the romantic dance together. Yeah, it's no, like, they do, and it is gross, and it's, it's so weird <laughs> that they're like trying to to have this narrative over the top of the. So yeah, weird, it, but it, it makes it makes more sense than her falling in love with Steve, Steve Gutenberg. But you know, since Steve Gutenberg <laughs> is in this movie, he's the one who's getting Ali Sheedy. So you're just thinking, well, is there going to be like a love triangle between Number Five, Steve Gutenberg, and Ali Sheedy? It, the second night is just sort of a, all right, well, let's move on to night number three, where they, after a bunch of other stuff goes down, they steal another van, and then they get out in the desert, and they. Uh, get stranded out in the desert. Somehow, number five, while Ali Sheedy is asleep in the desert, alone in the desert, he drives back to town and kidnaps Steve Gutenberg with another van and brings him back. And then, So many vans. Now let's talk about the meaning of life. What defines the meaning of life? Yeah, and why is he... It all culminates in a really, truly, <laughs> they, genuinely... They missed a great moment. Because, so he decides that he's not going to kill. He yeah. refuses to oh, kill. Yeah. Like the, the the key image of this movie is the beginning, like the opening where you see all these cute flowers and they roll over it with a tank. The very the, first shot. Yeah, the very first shot. Um, and so he decides that he's not going to kill, disassemble. Like he yeah. he doesn't want things to die, uh, which is an unrealistic goal. It but, is. But there's a Especially scene. For a guy who there's a scene. Time there's makes a, fools of us all, Johnny Five. They're, they're in a big... <laughs> They're in a big chase, and he's with his super laser gun. Um, he's shooting down uh, trees to blocking their path. And those they trees should... are alive too. You yeah. are disassembling Stop those living trees. Yeah, they should have said, like, "No one died. Um, trees are alive." They're and alive. then he should, oh. <laughs> 
you killed all those trees, Jenny. But it would have been a good lesson. Mm-hmm. They're in the desert discussing the meaning of life, and it all comes down to whether or not the sentient robot uh, finds it find this really lousy joke. Uh, funny. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is even... this is kind of the, the. Oh, it's like the Turing test moment. That yeah. They so have. so Gutenberg has given him the ups and downs because he he likes number five. He doesn't quite buy in that he's alive because he created yeah. him. And so he's so trying he, to figure out. He's bonding with him. He's he's trying to use logic mm-hmm. to do all this, and you know, so all night long. That's basically what it is to be a parent. You're just like, I feel like I made you, but I don't understand what's happening in there. (laughs) 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 So this is really sort of an allegory about parenthood. It is. Steve Gutenberg Mm -hmm. is father to us all. Oh, God. That's what I've taken from That's the T-shirt. Because you have to misinterpret that. Stop watching that movie. But the joke is also problematic and and like racist in its intention yeah, it's 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 one of those priest uh, rabbi and uh, i don't know and a third guy Polish persuasion a yeah. right. or something yeah. Yeah. third and, person yeah like he's basically teaching him racism and uh casual casual joking about yeah uh, <laughs> but that sort of thing it's a stupid joke it's very poorly delivered and yeah, he should reason, have paused before the last part. Yeah, yeah. you got to punch yeah. the punchline. I could have taught him that. Yeah, he's obviously it's, never had an improv class. Well, Steve Newton not one for comedy. It's in the mail. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and then he starts. Uh, number five starts laughing hysterically. Like it's it. When I remember watching it as a kid, the way he was laughing, I thought like, oh my god, he broke Johnny Five. He's exploding. <laughs> It sounds like he's yeah. It just sounds like he's about to explode, and then apparently it's that is the only funny thing Johnny Five heard the entire movie, and mm-hmm. he spent all night watching television, and he he was cracking jokes all throughout the movie, but uh, that was the first time he actually laughed. So uh, he likes bad jokes, and therefore he is he is alive. I guess so. <sighs> yeah, just like a child. Can I say something about um, Steve Gutenberg's performance, at least? Yes. Um, I'll start by talking about another actor in this, Austin Pendleton, Mm -hmm. who plays, I think his name is Howard. He is like the head of the robotics company. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's sort of the go-between between the military guys and the and the robot eggheads and he's in the muppet movie and he tries That's to what, get i was gonna say he, he likes working with pups i used to think he was also the dad and elf but it turns out that was another guy oh yeah it was <laughs> so i guy. thought this guy uh, just he only works with puppets mm-hmm. uh, but it's a similar guy like it's similar enough to be they're probably in the same auditions yeah yeah yeah. it's yeah. like oh hey they yeah, see each other yeah, a lot yeah, yeah in the but room you took that last job from me yeah. he was telling someone about this movie he was I guess in it pretty much from the ground floor as to his character, but he's saying the original draft of the script was so much better than what came out, and it was basically because they cast Steve Gutenberg as the lead. Mm. He didn't have an issue with Steve Gutenberg as a person. He was a good guy and a good actor, and he did what he was going to do. But the the character that he played, um, Newton, I think his name is? Newton Crosby. Newton yeah, Crosby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that character was supposed to be this introverted antisocial nerd nerd and he was supposed to basically be afraid of other people he, he did not he did not want to deal with other people he was a sociopath yeah and his arc Which, was like, about communicating with the world we're teaching him how to love yeah. as well and because they cast Steve Gutenberg in this role he was just this affable 
kind of Hammy. kooky guy. Yeah, and there was that none of that character stuff came out in Gutenberg's performance because Gutenberg is Gutenberg. He's he, they said that um, Gutenberg the, cannot goot not not goot. They originally no. they originally wanted apparently um, Dustin Hoffman to play that yeah, character. Yeah, yeah. And that would have been. Can, can you imagine how different that would have been if you had played a a just sort of an internalized Dustin, like a sort of Rain Man kind Detached, of Dustin Hoffman, yeah, who has to come out of his shell to interact with society in order to rein in his creation and then realize it's alive. There, there would have been some meat to that bone, but it wouldn't have been nearly eighties. Uh, well, but the or like a Matthew Broderick, even like a like a, a like a Wunderkind, you know, slightly yeah. more humanity. Than Steve Gutenberg because Steve Guten- <laughs> Gutenberg has insufficiently human. <laughs> he has this thing where it's like it's almost a Bill Murray thing where like Bill Murray's shtick is that like he's totally nonchalant and cares about nothing, but we're charmed by it and we're intrigued by it and we're on board for it and we love him in spite of it. But like Gutenberg just doesn't get across that line of being like, and and you love me in spite of it, and it's like actually no. He's just constantly <laughs> just bumping against the line, or it's like yeah, because he's not he's awkward. totally rude to everybody. So I can see where you're saying the shades of like in in the mouth of a different character that would sound different all the times where he's like the robots don't feel, they don't laugh, they don't love, they don't think anything. They're just machines. But I'm going to teach this one to play the piano so everybody get off my back. And give you the finger. Yeah. <laughs> Which was, I guess, his favorite part. Yeah, I'm, I'm loving Matthew Broderick for the part. I think so. We'll go back in time and recast this movie. Well, and I also think it would make more sense if Ali Sheedy was younger and more... Naive? Yeah. Just dumber. Like, the just... I can't get over the whole robot alien thing. Yeah. That's the dumbest. The, the fact that she spent an entire night realizing he does not look like an alien. You, you see number five, even in weird lighting, which I admit, like the first time she saw him was in Well, it must her have been like a robot alien. With red light and stuff. And then, she, like, it didn't occur to her. She said, alien, alien, okay. And then when he comes so out excited. into the light, it's clearly a robot. It may be a robot alien. It may be a robot from another planet, but it's clearly a robot, and it's she's like, just if so you invested. Up robot in the dictionary, that would be the picture of a robot that comes up. So, Cognitive dissonance. Yeah. All right. So, in the, um, one thing I thought they did a great job is just the puppeteering in the movie. Oh right. yes. You know, not only I mean, it's hard to make a robot or any kind of creature have life. And they they must have had really solid puppeteers on this one because he had a lot of personality and he had it, just the little things of how his hands moved. He had such an expressive like face too. Yeah, even With though his it was two flaps. eyes. Yeah, his, yeah. His, his eyebrows um, like for like the, for like him and then the bad guys they do so much for it. Like mm-hmm. it, 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 it's so effective. Um, so yeah, props to the puppeteers. It would not surprise me if they. Did like basically a proof of concept demonstration with the robot to like producers and said, "All right, we want to make a movie, and it's about this robot comes alive. This is a mock-up of the puppet we're going to use." And they show this thing, and they show the way it can express itself, the way it can move its arms and look like it's alive and dancing, even though it's just spinning on its treads, and, mm-hmm. and you know it can have reactions with its face where it's not even saying anything, but you can tell what it's thinking and feeling. It can be feeling. lecherous and objectify a woman exactly. just like anybody just like else the, can. Anyone can make that mistake. <laughs> Look how he goggles his eyes at the naked lady. Yeah, and that's so, how you prove you're alive, man. Yes, dude, totally. 
And so it was, um, I, I had just imagined them like showing them the puppet and showing what they could do with the puppet. And then they say, all right, let's make it. And then going from there and thinking, we're going to make this groundbreaking thing about, a, uh, you know, whether a robot can be alive. Yeah. And then it just turns out, oh, what if we made it more like E.T.? What if we, instead of having this, uh, this reclusive genius who made it, uh, we'll just make it Steve Gutenberg because that'll bring, that'll put butts in the seats. And then... Ali Sheedy's pretty popular. Let's put her in it, too. I don't really care what she does. You just got to get the guy at the end and maybe seduce the robot, too, if we can do that. And uh, we'll see if we can got, get some white guy to play an Indian. And cool. uh, <laughs> Yeah. Well, it it just I kind of fell apart as, you know. What's missing, though, is is the kids, right? Is, is like, mm-hmm. the innocence of the kids believing, you know, that's what's yeah. in E.T., yeah, you know, yeah. is the kids versus adult angle that kids, of course, can see straight through to the heart right no kids in this movie no nope. and uh, no kids and in the thank sequel. god let's not expose them <laughs> yeah. to any I of mean, this that's that's a, that's a mixed blessing right keep there kids away from robots yes yes keep them away um all right so on a scale of one robot made gin and tonic <laughs> how much input would we give it yes to 10 <laughs> Input, input. What's our what's our unit here? Gin ten, and tonic of, or input? How many gin and tonics? How many gin and tonics? Wait, were so is ten gin and tonics <laughs> meaning that it was a difficult movie to get through? Yeah, that that is the trade off there. <laughs> we could we could okay. Each, how many how, how many, many butterflies? Laser that, bazookas? Would we give it? Okay, laser bazookas. There you go. Laser um, bazookas. I'm gonna give it uh, my highest recommendation ever. What? Of four. I'm gonna give it a seven. Ooh, wow, that's not very high. <laughs> Madness. Which is, which is high for me. Madness, Craig Michael Curtis. Yes, thank you. What, well, why? Why are you giving it a seven? I really liked this movie. It was sweet in its own way, and it actually started to talk about stuff that was beyond what you normally hear um, in a movie of this caliber, this sort of popcorn mm-hmm. movie. It was talking about what is life. And uh, well, I think you're right. It started to. <laughs> yeah. it, it took an effort, yeah. and it took, in, in, it went in some yeah. directions. Obviously, it didn't succeed all the way in right. many of those aspects. And some of the one-liners but were I, charming. I yeah, thought. I thought there was there was enough in this movie that I enjoyed. I kind of chuckled at some one-liners. There was though the old couple who he. Send, puts a tracking device in the back of the truck, and yeah. then they get surrounded by you know military guys. And then the old guy and the old lady are in the tr- in the cab of the truck, and the the lady says, "I hope you took the weed out of the glove compartment." <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was good. <laughs> Which was a funny yeah, moment. Th- I, it had its moments, and yeah. I enjoyed the moments. And they you know they made more of an effort than you usually see in this kind of popcorn movie from the eighties. Yeah. That's that that's why I give it a, a more. I, I mean, you obviously have to take one down for the. Uh, one particular character, uh-huh. mm-hmm. but uh, apart from that, oh, we can expand that to at least three. I'm sure. Oh yeah. yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Go but, for yeah. it. Uh, how many laser bazookas is this worth to you? So yeah, I, I agree with your points. I, I personally, I'll, I'm going to give it a five point five. Um, half a bazooka. Half a bazooka. Just half of that bazooka. Um, but yeah, no, I agree. I, I, I do think that there. There's definitely some stuff that makes it difficult, and it, it is a very 80s movie, and, and a lot of it doesn't quite hold up. But having said that, in its defense, I'm defending the 5.5 and not the mm-hmm. 4.5 yeah. below it. 
Um, I mean, it is a solid director, and he was able to 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 make a movie like this un- definitely a kind of a notch above. I think what these generally are, you know, like the a lot of the puns but, but, but and, and these little moments. But what are you comparing it to? Like, what what is a worse version of this? <sighs> Mac and me. Okay, fair. <laughs> Asked and answered, Nathan. <laughs> well done. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess. My cap off to you, sir. Yeah, um, I, I would definitely rate in in terms of this kind of like these, you know, movies chasing ET or Star Wars. I would rate. I hope I rated the last Starfighter much higher than th- than this. this. I hope yeah. so too. I think I probably give that like a seven or something. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, it's not one that I would show kids today, no. but it's one that I do look back fondly enough, and 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 not feel regret and shame as a child. Just mm. just a note, uh, you know, whether or not you show your kids Short Circuit today, do not show them Short Circuit too. There is a very dark moment that still haunts me to this day. I have not seen that movie in 30 years either. And my God, there's there's just like a moment there that makes me shudder. And uh, yeah, describe, don't, don't show describe, your kids short circuit. It's, it's uh, you know. Input, input. <laughs> it is, uh, if, if Johnny Five were a human, it would go from a PG movie to an R movie. Uh in, in a violence way. But because why? Yeah. Oh. I have no memories at all of Short Circuit 2. Uh, he goes to New York to talk to Ben, your your favorite character in this movie. Oh, my God. Who's now the new human character. And also uh, Michael McKeon is in that one as his sidekick. And Wait, are you telling me they couldn't get Goots? They could not get Goots or Sheedy. Sheedy does a voiceover explaining why they're not in this movie. <laughs> okay. They're in Montana, which is how they end this movie. Oh, right. And they... They hear Dear ben, Johnny Five. They heard we, Benny was in trouble, and so we sent you our robot because mm. they want to get rid of him anyway. But somehow, you know, hijinks ensue. Somehow, uh, Johnny perv. Five gets sucked into the mafia, and then the mafia decide. Let's, you know, he like confronts the mafia boss and says, "Why are you doing this? You're not. You're supposed to be my friend." And then the mafia boss sends his guys to beat him on the street, like savagely beat him, like smash in his eye crush his arm, rip out his guts, and the guy's like, kill him, kill him, kill him. And Johnny Five, jeez, I'm alive, don't hurt me. And he's like moaning and screaming in pain, and a splatter of motor oil goes across the guy's face as he smashes. It's just so... It <laughs> is, that was the day when Tarantino was on set? And yeah, they were like, I guess. Because, <laughs> you know, loss of innocence right yeah. there for, for a young Frank Michael Curtis. <laughs> that that right. was... So Scorsese made a child movie, <laughs> a kids movie. Uh, For a moment, uh, he wanted to explore the idea of robots. Uh, so yeah, okay. I, I digress. How many uh, laser cannons oh, do you uh, pick this? How many gin and tonics? I'm did only going to give it three because I I didn't find it as fun. Like I think for my money, if I'm going to sit down and watch a movie that has robots in it and I get my choice between the two, I'm watching Runaway again. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm going to live my life and be happy. And for me, it didn't get to to the place where I was charmed and and captured. Not the way Mannequin did. No. I love Mannequin. Everything about Mannequin is great. Um, but what You know he... what? He kills Mannequins in the beginning of this movie. Yeah. That's probably why you don't like it. It's just like I do a, a really block. Right out of the gate. I like Mannequins, and I like to see them in 80s movies. 
Um, so what is your deep cut recommendation based on short circuit? Who wants to go first? Uh, I'll go first. So um, if you want to, I guess, dive deeper into the Fisher-Stevens um, aspect of this movie. Okay. So Aziz Ansari uh, interviewed him or talked to him about this in kind of a larger piece, just talking about um, actors and casting and race and things like that. It's a New York Times article called Aziz Ansari on uh, acting, race, and Hollywood. So yeah, it's a it's a nice look about you know these are just people. Fisher Stevens, you know, not to ex- excuse the part, but these things are always a little more complicated. Like you know, he was a twenty one year old actor who just really wanted to break into Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he shouldn't have. It shouldn't have happened. Yeah, but, well, but in the eighties though, like the, that movie Soul Man, and like yeah. the, it was not the big. You know, like well, I'm not, uh, which is not in any way to say it's okay. It's not okay. Right. No, it, was, it was still okay. weird. It, it was no one knew time. who he was, and so yeah. it, if yeah. it had been like an established actor playing that role, everyone there would have been a, a lot. More, yeah, there would have been outcry, but they didn't know who Fisher Stevens was, and so everyone, I'm sure, assumed that he was an Indian actor. So you, even Aziz Ansari looked up to him because he thought he was an Indian actor. And it wasn't until he like IMDb'd him in college, and he found out that he was white. White guy. Then he he got super angry, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. So they they have a, a neat uh, conversation just talking about just humanizing the mm-hmm. the situation. So. I love it. That's a great recommendation. Good job. <laughs> we'll have you on uh, next time. <laughs> what about you? Uh, my I usually recommend another movie, but this time I'm going a different way. I'm going to go. And uh, I'm going to recommend a TV episode, uh, specifically uh, a Star Trek The Next Generation episode called The Measure of a Man. And it's about uh, Captain Picard uh, and Data going on trial to determine whether Data, who is the android of the show, Mm -hmm. uh, is considered the property of Starfleet or if he is considered a sentient being. Mm -hmm. And obviously he's an android, so uh, it's, it's... a lot of a lot of what I like about this movie, which came before, so it is a proto, you know, philosophical debate on this. It's it's the first generation of the first generation of this kind of debate. Um, I think obviously this particular Star Trek episode, which is one of the best of the Next Generation episodes, um, goes into that where they actually have a court martial trial to determine whether uh, Data is considered property or an individual with his own rights. And so, um, yeah, that's that's my recommendation. I think it really hits home where this one, you know, got a blooper single out of that particular debate. This really hits a home run on on what that's about and the idea of what being a person is compared to uh, just having, you know, flesh and blood. Hmm. Another great one. Um, It's better be good. (laughs) (laughs) I am going to recommend... Again, just to tie it back to Runaway, as I think I will tie everything back to Runaway for the rest of my life (laughs) going forward. My job here is done. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to recommend season one of uh, HBO's Westworld Um, as another, like, robots. What what does it mean? Are they alive? Do we get to have ownership of them and do whatever we want to them all the time? Uh, And also, the music in it is really haunting and beautiful. Um, you, I have the soundtrack and it's so worth picking up because mm. like it, it's like creepy, moody music. 
um, like you'd expect from an HBO series. But there are also player piano versions of like Radiohead and Nirvana songs wow. that are you're listening to it. That was part of the fun of watching uh, the series for me was like trying to pick mm-hmm. out what the mm-hmm. what the radio or the <laughs> yeah. player piano was playing. Season two goes a little bananas, but I think season one is uh, <laughs> a solid piece worth a watch. Excellent. All right. Uh, where can everybody find your books, Craig Michael Curtis? Craig Michael Curtis, you can find my books uh, online, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Uh, you can also check out uh, my Facebook page or CraigMichaelCurtis.com. Uh, what's a, so, uh, yeah, what's a good entry book into your uh, work? Um, I know if you are a fan of Voyage Trekkers, there is a Voyage Trekkers novella. <laughs> I am a fan. <laughs> Ooh, tell me more. <laughs> Voyage Trekkers Gambit of Chance, which has your character, your favorite characters in that in, uh, in a very digestible package. Uh, there's also another one I like, which is called Famous Adventures Correspondence School. And it's actually set in the 80s. And um, it's uh, relatively short, and you can get that as an ebook. Uh, on Amazon or Barnes & Noble or wherever you get ebooks. Great. So just check Craig Michael Curtis. Craig Michael Curtis. Gotcha. Wonderful. And of course, everybody can find me at nctphoenix.com in the interwebs and at NCT Phoenix The Place in downtown Mesa. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> um, and? Uh, uh, Nathan Blackwell, filmmaker. Debonair, Scallywag, uh, SquishyStudios.com. SquishyStudios.com. Um, uh, find Most Excellent Pod wherever, you know, pod stuff is. Find us on iTunes. Uh, oh, we have, wait, we've got reviews. We do have reviews. We promise to read them on our next episode. <laughs> so we've got two, and um, we should just read one and then save one for the next one? Yeah, let's spread it out. Spread out the love. Okay. So. Um, but so, we do. Yeah, yeah, if we you leave reviews. us a review, we'll read it online as either uh, a thank you or as a punishment. Yep. Um, but all of that stuff is is really good. So please, you know, like, rate, review, yeah. thumbs it, it, up. It's not just to make us feel better. It, it actually helps other people discover the show. It improves the algorithm so it pops up on people's feed more. Although, reviews like this do make us feel better. <laughs> <laughs> because here's what oh. it says. From Just a Guy, 67, fun and unique opinions on some movies from the, quote, olden days. <laughs> Never thought about Bender being a, quote, spy in The Breakfast Club. Completely changes the movie when you watch it again, especially in light of current student-teacher events. Oh, all right. Get political. Um, that was that was Chrissy talking, not the reviewer. Uh, I don't know about Nathan being sexy, but I know for a fact Chrissy is simply beautiful. I'm just going to cut it off and edit that part out, um, which means I think my mom wrote this. Yeah, I don't find that reviewable. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, <laughs> Thank you. But I think uh, yeah, just a guy. Sixty-seven has to be a reference to Brain Candy. Oh, I'll take it. One of my favorite bits in Brain Candy. Um, so yeah, leave us a review. You really don't have to comment on our physical attractiveness. <laughs> right. but, but if you want to, then CraigMichaelCurtis.com. Craig, Craig needs some of the love, yeah. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we can't wait to see you again in our next episode where we are going to be watching RoboCop. Yes, the double robot marathon. <laughs> we're just sticking with the robot theme. Yeah, we're going to be watching RoboCop. So, welcome to the Robot Podcast, yes. the 80s movie robot. <laughs> uh, we have a really cool guest, and we're excited about that one. Please come back uh, and join us.
for the next episode. And of course, uh, when you're out there in the world, remember to keep the most excellent 80s movie podcast motto in mind. Be excellent to each other. And I'll be right here. Is that from the other movie? I'm confused. Close enough. Red Rum. <laughs> <laughs>